I feel like a lot of times Spanish, when I'm using it, it's I'm like going to this like, it, it's like it's about a feeling of like power, you know. Um, sometimes it's dark and angsty, but also sometimes it's like I, I, you know, when I'm singing in Spanish, I feel like I can feel my whole like ancestry behind me. So it's like this moment of like, of like, you know. It's like I'm levitating musically in some way. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Alejandra Dumec tells us how her Mexican-American background and her musical family influenced the songs she performs on violin and vocals as La Llorona. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. We have Alejandra Demek with us today. Ali is a teacher, songwriter, and musician in the Ithaca, New York area, performing under the name La Llorona. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Ali. Thanks for having me. I cannot wait to hear more about all the things that you do, but before we get started, can you share a little bit more about your background and your path with languages? Yeah, so um, my dad is from Mexico and my mom is from the United States, like Long Island area, um, and they're both musicians, and that's how they met. So, there's, you know, music and language has been such a giant part of me uh-huh. even existing <laughs> from the very beginning. Um They didn't speak the same language, but they played music together and fell in love and then learned each other's languages and got married um, and had me. So I grew up mostly speaking English, um, but understanding and hearing and and sort of like traversing Spanish uh, my whole life. Um, So... I'm not fluent in it, um, but I, I understand. I understand way more than I can say back. You <laughs> uh-huh. know, I and I can. I you know, when I spend time in Mexico, when I spend time with my family, um, and I'm practicing it, and I'm immersed. I pick it up. It comes back. Um, I get better and better over time. You know, sure. uh, but have spent a lot of my life understanding and just sort of navigating. Um, this language that I'm so familiar with, but mm-hmm. not necessarily fluent with. Um, and so in terms of music, my parents are both musicians and I have played violin since I was four years old. I learned the Suzuki method, which is all about, uh, it's not something you're born with. Talent is something you're educated into. You start with the kids pretty young if you can, um, and have been playing my whole life. Pretty much everyone on more or less both sides of my family are musicians. Um, and so even when, uh, we couldn't speak the same language, I have played music with my family members and sort of bridged that gap, a a whole different way of connecting and in some ways communicating. That's beautiful. About a year ago, um, you released an EP called Hedges under the name La Llorona. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the origins of that project. Yeah, so um, I did grow up playing, like, classical music, and I didn't go to, like, music conservatory or anything. I don't have the kind of classical chops that my family members have, Uh, but I always still really loved playing, and it wasn't until after college I started to 
realized I could explore other genres of music and started playing with a rock band. Um, and that was really fun and fulfilling. I still play with them. They're called the Ilium Works. Um, and, but then I started realizing I wanted to explore more genres of music and, and sort of some of my own original training as a classical musician while fusing that with other, um, styles that I love listening to pop, rock, folk, you know, um, fiddle a little bit here and there. Um, and I had gotten a looper that I thought I'd use with the band. Uh, and then I found out using a looper with live musicians, other live musicians is not fun, <laughs> very challenging. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, I have this thing and I would love to use it. Um, so I started creating, you know, like essentially a solo set with this looper. And if you don't know what a looper is, it's a pedal, you know, you, you play a line of music could be like four notes or something could be something much more intricate than that. Uh, you hit the pedal and that phrase of music will repeat over and over and over again. Then you can put other layers on top of it. So as like one person, I can sound like a whole lot more, um, than one person. So I just, I started writing music and one of the first pieces that I knew I wanted to cover because I'd been wanting to cover it for years was La Llorona. Um, and so then I started performing out and this, this EP kind of came together over a handful of years of, mm -hmm. of experimenting um, with how, how do I take this violin sound that I always thought kind of had to be this one way, like this one classical way, and how do I, how do I take it and stretch it in as many different directions as I can um, and bring in like all of the sounds that I love and all of the sounds that I love musically, but all of the sounds that I love, you know, uh, in language too, because I, I do, uh, in corporate Spanish, obviously I cover La Llorona, I'm singing it in Spanish. Um, Todos me dicen el negro llorona, negro, pero cariñoso. Todos me dicen el negro llorona, negro, pero cariñoso. Yo soy como chile verde llorona picante, pero sabroso. Yo soy como chile verde llorona picante, pero sabroso. In, in other ways too, Spanish comes in in my music. So just kind of this big fusion of genres, mm -hmm. cultures, styles. Yeah, very cool. So I want to um, go back a bit because you talked about the song La Llorona being you know, where you took the name from and, and also something that you knew early on you wanted to do. So um, can you tell us a little more about that song? What, uh, what, what does it mean? What's it about? Um, you, how how long have you known it? Where'd you first hear it? Um, and how did that influence the project? Yeah, well, that's a that's a really cool story because to talk about the song, I have to like step back even further because Great. it's not just it's not just a piece of music. It's actually also a folk story, a ghost story that hmm. I know from you know my Mexican background, but is also you know a uh, many different versions of the story span across South America. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of different versions. So I had first read it in a book when I was like a teenager, some like young adult, like spooky sort of sci-fi book set in Mexico. Um, 
I don't remember almost anything about the book except there were like clones in it or something. Um, (laughs) The like really the only thing I took from that book was that I read the story of La Llorona. um, And I think I read it while I was visiting family in Mexico. So I was like, oh, cool. Um, And I love, you know, I'm a very bright person, but I've always been fascinated with like, you know, the dark in terms of, I love, love ghost stories. Lo- mm-hmm. I like scary movies, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and so I, I really latched onto this story, uh, the version that I read. And like I said, there's, there's a lot of different versions, but the version that I read was like, there's this woman and she's got these kids and she finds out that her husband has cheated on her or, you, you know, husband, baby daddy, I don't, I don't really know, but like he's cheated on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes crazy, you know, typical, like hysterical woman trope. Right. Um, and when she comes home and sees her kids, they look like him and all she can see is him. And she drowns him in the river. Um, and then realizes what she's done and is like absolutely grief stricken and kills herself as well. Um, and then her ghost wanders the streets, like crying out for her children. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get close to her, she drowns you in the river. Um, so yeah. it's this whole spooky ghost story. Um, but I've heard a lot of different versions, and some of them don't aren't like uh, this hysterical woman trope that is <laughs> not not my favorite. You know, and some of them they they starve because they're poor and they don't have food. Mm-hmm. And some of them it's a mercy killing because they they are starving. You know, um, and in one that is a particular favorite of mine that I think is from Venezuela. My friend told me about. Um, is that actually the kids were mixed uh, with the indigenous? Oh, the, hmm. the father was indigenous, and yeah. so the townspeople killed them um, because they didn't want they didn't want those cultures mixing. Um, and so, and then, and I think that's a really powerful story because um, it speaks to uh, the terrible things that have happened with col- under colonization, mm-hmm. you know, and ha- and that that those mentalities still exist, you know, today, even if, you know, we're not, La Llorona is not wandering our streets necessarily, you know. So that's the story, and it's a folk song. Um, And so I I heard it, uh, I actually played a quartet version of it first with my family, um, and I was like, this is awesome. I remember reading the story, and then I heard this guy singing it with pan flutes years later, and I was like, I first said to the band, we got to cover this. We could do a punk rock version of this. And they were all like, yeah. Uh, but we didn't quite get to it. We still might. We still might do it someday. We've talked about it every once in a while. Uh, and then I got this, this solo set, and I was like, this is it. I'm doing it. I've, huh. I've, I've been wanting to for years. It's time. So Nice. That's wonderful. Was it a deliberate choice to perform songs both in English and Spanish? And do you think that... Um, different topics or emotions draw you more to one language than the other? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I, I, deliberate choice. I mean, I think that it it wasn't something that I really, like, went, sought out from the beginning. I was like, I'm going to speak in, in both, I'm going to sing in both languages mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but I think that once I started covering La Llorona and once I adopted that as a name, mm. uh, this became a space for me to really explore, uh, not just, you know, and, and it's, it's funny because it's like I'm performing for other people, right? But it, it also became a space for me huh. to explore myself and the different parts of me, right? Yeah. 
um, which is something that's really cool about art is like you put it out there for other people, right? But it's like it's this whole personal process. Oh, yeah. um, so it, it was. I am always, you know, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I'm always practicing my Spanish, you know, whether that means I'm actually actively like getting on Duolingo every day. <laughs> Um, (laughs) or like list or just listening to music that's in Spanish or like, you know, I was just watching a show on HBO with a friend called Los Spookies, which is like, uh, majority in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it it makes sense that I would also be where I'm practicing my Spanish in my real life in a multitude of ways, um, on and off that I would also, uh, be incorporating that in my music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that also once I adopted the stage name of La Llorona, there felt like a certain sense of responsibility, um, in that, like, yes, I, that could just be my stage name and I could just do whatever I want. Um, but I, I feel like people, sometimes people see that name and they expect, they're like, oh, La Llorona. And they expect it's going to be all like traditional Mexican folk mm-hmm. music. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm always, I'm always like a little nervous to let people down <laughs> be like, it's, it's, it's nothing here is really, it's my take on everything. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, even I do other, you know, I do like Cielito Lindo, which is another like Mexican popular Mexican song. And, and, um, I sing other songs that incorporate Spanish, but you know, even when I'm doing something that is like, oh, this is a traditional, I'm not doing it traditionally. I'm doing like my own rendition of it. Um, so yeah, once I adopted that name, I started thinking about like, how do I continue you know, to explore using this language, even when that means, you know, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I've written some pieces with Spanish in them and and trying to just, like, honor, like, the fragmented, imperfect way mm-hmm. in which, like, Spanish mm-hmm. comes out of me, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, songwriting with Spanish is challenging, but it's so fun. It's 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 a really cool... It's a really cool extra element. I'm not really Uh sure about emotions, if there's, like, an emotion that draws me to Spanish more. I know that, like, as a romantic language, you would think that, like, that might be something. But I have to be honest, I, like, don't really write love songs. Um, And I certainly, I feel like if you're going to write a good love song, it's got to be, like, some either, like, really, like, feel, like, really just, like, in the moment, like slice of life, or Uh it's got to be poetic. And I'm not good enough at Spanish Uh for poetry. So, um, I feel like a lot of times Spanish, when I'm using it, it's, I'm like going to this, like, it's like, it's about a feeling of like power, you know? Uh Um, sometimes it's dark and angsty, but also sometimes it's like, I, I, you know, when I'm singing in Spanish, I feel like I can feel my whole like ancestry behind Uh me. So it's like this moment of like, of like, you know, it's like I'm levitating musically in some way, you know. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and and just sort of to, to follow up on that, knowing that most of your audiences are probably majority English speaking, does that also affect your performance and, and how it feels to present this sort of hybrid linguistic approach? Uh, you can just, just follow up on that a bit. Yeah, Um you know what? I really never give English speakers a second thought when it comes to my set. <laughs> I, I like, I like, the funny thing is I like really couldn't care less if someone's standing in the audience that speaks English being like, I don't understand what she's, I like, don't care. Um, <laughs> awesome. um, but also partially like not just in a, in a, 
um, in not just like in a selfish way, but also in like a, in general, what I find is that, uh, most of my audience, even if they're English speakers are excited for the culture fusion, they're excited Mm. for the other language. Um, and so even if they don't understand, I find they usually really appreciate it. Um, I think much more about like, uh, the folks who see My Name is La Llorona and are more Spanish-speaking that come to the show. I, I think much more about that than I do about mm. the English speakers. That's interesting. Sure. What's something that you've learned from recording and performing this material that you can share with our listeners, either about music, about language, about all the things? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that Something I have learned is there's just there's so many things, but you know, first of all, trusting the process and 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 being willing to take your time um, working through the process, right? Because <clears throat> sometimes we want to produce something that feels really shiny and like perfect, mm. um, and uh, nothing's going to be perfect. First of all, you know, I mean, there's not. I don't think. On on my EP, I think there's a few there's a few tracks where I'm like, yeah, but there's a few, but most of the other tracks it's like, well, if I did this again, <laughs> you know, so so like learning to like accept that, but also knowing that like as you work through something, like you're gonna if you're starting at the beginning of your process, you've got this journey to go and. Uh, You know, to be willing to go on that, let things change, um, mm-hmm. and let let other people, especially, you know, I found that it was so powerful to be in the studio, and ha- uh, I recorded at Sunwood uh, Sunwood Recording Studio in Trumansburg, and Chris Ploss is just incredible, uh, suggesting ideas of things to add to my piece, and that like the first my first thought was like, no, like. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it's supposed to be. And then I was like, well, uh, you know, you, I guess, you know, things I came to you because you know, things So let's try, let's try. And finding that his suggestions were awesome and, and brought my music to new places I didn't expect. So that was really cool. Welcome to I think on like a personal level, something I've had to learn and that, you know, I, I still don't always sit comfortably in this, but the idea that like I as myself am enough and am like <laughs> off, you know, in you know, the idea of like being like, how do you like that you're not like a good enough like Mexican-American if you're not like fluent in Spanish mm-hmm. or, you know, not a, not a good enough classical musician. because I didn't go to conservatory. I don't have like professional classical chops, you know, learning that it's like, I have skills and like, and that I am enough how I am. Um, and that what I have to bring to the table is valuable. And it's particularly as like a Mexican-American person being like, you know, again, it's okay that I'm not fluent You know, I, I like, this is what a Mexican American looks like just as much as like Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't speak any Spanish or someone whose Spanish is their first language, you know? 
Um, we all we all wear it in different ways. It doesn't make us less valid. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and your music? Yeah, so I am on Bandcamp. You can find my EP on Bandcamp, La Llorona, EP Hedges. I'm also streaming on Spotify, which tends to be the one that like a lot of people have. So you can look me up there. I'm on Instagram. Oh, gosh, my handle there is weird, though, because La Llorona, <laughs> of course, is like taken a million times over, right? So I think it's like underscore La Llorona underscore music. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'll be honest, I'm like never on Facebook. So you're better <laughs> off if you want to like know when I have shows and stuff and get those updates following me on Instagram uh, because that's where I will most likely update that stuff. Great. Awesome. And you, and you teach also, you teach violin. I do teach violin um, and I teach Suzuki method. Um, and I mostly teach in Corning, New York, but I have some Ithaca students, but you know, the, the, the funny thing I just, I wanted to mention quickly, uh, since we're talking about language, is that the Suzuki method is so interesting because while it, it revolves around this idea of talent education, it also really models its learning after how you learn language. Um, and it's, it's all about listening to the music um, and learning to, like, play basic rhythms and things like that on your instrument and then, like by ear learning music and eventually learning to read like Dr. Suzuki like was a Japanese man who was struggling to learn German and not understanding how like four-year-olds were doing it so much better and like really modeled a lot of what he did after how we learn language so language and music for me Mm -hmm. have always just been like so wrapped up in each other um and I just think that's a I think that's a really cool tidbit when we're thinking about Mm -hmm. like how our brains work for something like language that our brains could work very similarly for music. You know, Mm. they're, they're related. Yep. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. Before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share a word in a language that you speak, that you love, that you are learning or want to learn that makes you giggle. What is a word that makes you giggle? Yeah. That was a really hard, I had to, I thought about this for like the last three days. I'm not going (laughs) to lie to you. Um, (laughs) I could think of so many words that I just, I love for so many, but I was like, but that, that makes me giggle. Um, And I think I landed on pumpernickel because (laughs) what a funny word, you know? Um, It's just so, you know, I don't even think I like pumpernickel bread that much. I'm just like, (laughs) the word is just so funny to say. I, I, I like it. And and Sam, there is a trend here with these words that make people giggle. I feel they're they're food related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pomplamoose and it's always the, the double oh, page yeah. here. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Fun. This was such a treat. Thank you so much for speaking of language with us, Ali. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next week we will hear more about Cornell's new Global Hubs initiative from our colleagues Wendy Wolfert, Rachel Beatty Riedel. Sebnam Ozkan and Cindy Tarter. Until then. Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. 
Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.